Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Hello, this is William Zalmer for AJHP Voices. I'm speaking with two of the authors of a paper entitled a National Survey of Emergency Pharmacy Practice in the United States. With me is Dr. Michael Thomas, Vice Chair in the Department of Pharmacy Practice and Clinical Associate Professor, College of Pharmacy, Western New England University, Springfield, Massachusetts, and Dr. Asad Patanwala, Associate Professor, College of Pharmacy, the University of Arizona in Tucson. Michael, could you please give listeners a brief sketch of your current responsibilities, especially as related to emergency care? Sure. So before I can really give you a um, current sketch, I'd like to give you a little history of what my experience has been. Um, I really started out in uh, community hospital settings uh, in emergency departments, which uh, makes my experience somewhat unique. Um, I practiced at a level two trauma center for about two and a half years. Uh, where I helped establish clinical pharmacy services in the emergency department. Uh, and then I spent about four and a half, five years uh, down at two other community hospitals uh, in the southeast. And uh, that was part of an academic uh, medical appointment or an academic pharmacy appointment. Then about two years ago, I actually stepped away from practice uh, and I have more of an administrative role uh, now. I'm vice chair of pharmacy practice uh, here at a university. So I still have a lot of interest in emergency medicine. Very good. Sid, what about your uh, background and experience? And, and my uh, background actually so, sort of complements Michael because I've you know, always worked in an academic institution uh, in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I am an associate professor at the College of Pharmacy here and my clinical responsibilities are in the emergency department. So, so I do practice in the ED and uh, obviously teaching and uh, research, which is also a part of my uh, responsibility. Michael, going back to you, uh, there's certainly a growing literature about pharmacist services in emergency departments, including various surveys on the topic. What is unique about your AJHP report? Great question. You know, previous surveys were done uh, primarily before this, this big expansion of pharmacy services uh, in emergency departments. And so that's one of the things is uh, we really wanted to get some snapshot of what pharmacists are doing in emergency department, what activities uh, that they're engaging in. So that was one of the things we wanted to do is not what extent uh, the, the pharmacy services were being provided around the country, but what are those pharmacists doing in the emergency department? That was really the aim uh, of our survey. Okay. Well, Sid, uh, as uh, reported in the article, the study had three objectives, one of which was to determine when pharmacists are physically present in emergency departments. Briefly, what did you find in that regard? You know, the most important finding, I think, with regard to this is that most of the pharmacy coverage in the emergency department is in the afternoon and evening hours, and that's very different than most clinical pharmacy services, you know, which where there's rounding in the morning. So in the ED, a lot of the services are later in the day, that's, that swing shift from 1 p.m. to midnight. But at the same time, we did find that a third of hospitals did not have any coverage on the weekends. So there's still a gap there, and very few hospitals, 10 to 20% of hospitals had overnight coverage. 
I think it's different than most clinical pharmacy services because we have pharmacists now later in the day. But at the same time, we still are not there because we don't have a lot of 24-7 coverage in a lot of institutions. Michael, anything to add on uh, findings related to this particular objective of the study? Yeah, I think really uh, Sid hit the, the nail on the head. There is some uh, distribution differences uh, between the um, uh, the weekend coverage and during the week. And as Sid mentioned, you know, it was about 30% of uh, hospitals did not have any weekend coverage at all. So it's still uh, largely Monday through Friday, but the swing shift uh, is the most important difference that, that we did find. Uh, about 68% or so um, did have the coverage during that time during the week. One of the encouraging thing is uh, there was at least eight hours of coverage uh, in about two-thirds of, of the hospitals uh, during the weekdays, but uh, certainly one of the notable um, absences, it, it is not 24-hour coverage at this point. Yeah, we we definitely don't have bankers' hours, as uh, you know, Michael would say. Um, so, so that's one thing. And one thing we found also at, at our institution is that, you know, having the pharmacist later in the day uh, opens them up as a resource physicians all over the hospital. And we found that they call the pharmacist who's in the emergency department just because there is somebody there late at night. Right. Yes. Very interesting. Well, Michael, uh, what were the key findings related to your study objective of describing the qualifications of pharmacists in emergency departments? Right. So we were very interested in uh, who is uh, practicing in the emergency department, what qualifications do they have? Uh, so certainly one of the questions that uh, we delved into was what is residency experience uh, like for those practitioners uh, that are practicing in the ED? And about 80% of institutions reported about half of their pharmacists uh, had completed at least a PGY-1. In a minority, only 20% of institutions uh, had one pharmacist working in the ED with any kind of a, a PGY-2 uh, residency. That was not just limited to emergency-focused PGY-2s, but any kind of PGY-2, still a minority of, of institutions. Mm -hmm. Another sort of line of questioning that, that we were asking was board certification. Uh, certainly that's become very uh, popular in recent years, and so we wanted to know uh, what board certification did pharmacists have, if any, and about two-thirds of the institutions reported about half of their pharmacists working in the emergency department uh, had uh, BCPS, so Board Certified Pharmacotherapy Specialist Certification. About a third reported that, that every one of their pharmacists uh, had BCPS certification. Certainly, they have a lot of them have residencies and board certification, but it is not universal. Well, let's turn to the final objective of the study. Uh, Sid, uh, this objective had to do with identifying specific pharmacist activities in emergency departments. Uh, what do you feel the most important finding was in that regard? An important thing uh, which is encouraging is that the level of practice is high and uh, pharmacists are participating in clinical activities. When you look at the percentage breakdown and in, in how people are spending their time, they are, you know, interacting with, with the teams, you know, performing uh, consultations with nurses and physicians, et cetera, and responding to resuscitations. So I think that's very interesting in terms of their activities. They're all, but the activities are quite varied because some institutions, for example, uh, they are doing, uh, for example, participating in medication reconciliation. At the same time, you have very little dedicated time to uh, research and administrative activities. And that's one thing that I think there is a desire to do more of that uh, so that you can kind of advance, advance uh, the specialty. 
Well, Michael, let's just step back and, and look at the overall uh, study findings. Uh, what, what can you say about the level of confidence you have that your findings give us an accurate picture of the state of pharmacist practice in emergency departments? Well, I think overall we had a very good uh, response rate, which gives us uh, some confidence that we had a good sampling uh, of what was out there. We really targeted, uh, as I mentioned previously, the uh, pharmacists currently working in, in emergency department settings. Um, and one thing that was especially um, encouraging was there was a good mix of community and academic medical centers, um, which is consistent with distribution of community and academic medical centers uh, across the United States. So it was nice that we got a good mix uh, of not only the academic medical centers, uh, which previous surveys did look at, uh, but also the community hospitals as well. And finally, we had good distribution geographically uh, and in terms of hospital size, number of beds in the emergency department, and even the number of annual uh, ED visits. So I think for those reasons, we have pretty good confidence uh, that our results are, are representative of what's happening uh, nationally. Very good. Well, Sid, um, ASHP established some guidelines on emergency pharmacy practice back in 2011. Do the findings of your study point to any notable gaps between current practice and what was called for in those guidelines? Looking at the results, I think that most of the services provided are very consistent with what's in the guidelines uh, in terms of you know responding to resuscitations, taking care of high-priority patients, and teaching activities. The, the one thing that does stand out is that uh, you know there is very little involvement in research activities. And that was one thing um, that was mentioned in the in the guidelines for emergency medicine practice. And that's not surprising given that uh, there are few of the pharmacists who are in academia. And you see the time dedication, a lot of it, very little time is dedicated for research. So uh, that was one gap that uh, I did notice. Okay. Michael, uh, your paper alludes to a debate in the field with respect to the merit of a satellite pharmacy for the emergency department. Could you comment on that? Right. So, you know, one of the questions is, what is a pharmacy satellite? And just because you have a pharmacy satellite, what does that mean for uh, the services that, that you provide? Um, one of the questions that we asked was, do you have a, a pharmacy satellite, not what actually happens uh, in that pharmacy satellite? But about 80% of the respondents did have some kind of a pharmacy satellite. Uh, now, what was impressive, though, as Sid mentioned previously, was the distribution of activities. A lot of clinical focus. It sounded like uh, pharmacists were at the bedside making a difference. And in fact, uh, some previous uh, research that has been done shows that if you have an emergency department uh, pharmacist at the bedside, that uh, it's, it's a safer place for patients uh, overall. So I think that just the fact that there is a ED satellite uh, does not mean that those pharmacists are relegated to dispensing only functions. Um, so that was very encouraging, uh, at least to me, uh, as we look at the results um, of, of our study. Uh, we didn't really probe further uh, to determine how those satellites were being used. We just asked, is there a satellite uh, or not? And again, it doesn't appear to diminish uh, the breadth and, and depth of the, the activities that pharmacists were engaged in. Michael, it struck me as I read the paper that survey respondents seem to diminish to a certain extent the necessity or value of involvement by emergency department pharmacists in medication history taking and in medication reconciliation. Could you also comment on that? Right, so this is another, uh, I guess, debate that, that's in the field right now and certainly a hot button topic. 
that has uh, been brought to the forefront. I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that the medication reconciliation and medication history are very important uh, for patient safety. Unfortunately, sometimes it's talked about as the only thing that, that should happen in emergency department settings, um, and certainly that is not the case. I, I think that all professionals in the emergency department really have to become adept at triage, uh, and nurses are, are very good at modeling this behavior for us, as well as physicians, uh, that if there's a priority uh, one patient, the highest priority patient that's coming into the emergency department, uh, they really need your services at the bedside, just like uh, that nurse and that physician uh, as well. So if pharmacists in the EDs are just responsible for medication histories, then they're going to be less able to focus on other patient care activities. And that's just uh, at the extremes, as I was mentioning, with that priority one uh, patient. I think that overall, uh, respondents felt that some level act of activity with medication history and reconciliation activities was important, uh, but maybe targeting certain patient groups uh, where this information may directly impact patient care uh, was felt to be a little bit more important. And you know, there's also a potential mismatch uh, when you think about the the expertise and the experience of a pharmacist practicing uh, in the emergency department. They have a lot of skills, uh, and those don't always match if one is just taking medication histories and, and medication uh, reconciliation activities uh, overall. So in fact, some, some emergency departments around the countries have uh, very effectively uh, employed pharmacy technicians. Uh, some have used uh, pharmacy pra practice experience uh, students from uh, pharmacy schools and colleges uh, to serve this role in a very effective way. I just want to add that you know, the use of pharmacy extenders is consistent with the ASHB guidelines on emergency pharmacy services. So I think that uh, the pharmacists that we surveyed are, uh, you know, their thoughts are, are similar to what's in the guidelines. Okay. Well, Sid, uh, diffusion of the concept of pharmacist services in emergency departments seems to be happening quite rapidly. I look back at the ASHP National Survey of Pharmacy Practice in Hospital Settings in 2011, and then about 11% of hospitals had a pharmacist in the ED at least eight hours a day. In the 2015 survey, this figure has doubled to 22%. So in your view, what are the main factors that explain this relatively rapid rate of growth? You know, I think there's an opportunity for pharmacists in the emergency department because there haven't been any pharmacists in that area. So as opposed to, uh, you know, other areas of the hospital where there are pharmacists, the ED is the last frontier, so it's been the area that, that needs pharmacists and growth. And that's why we've seen the numbers increase over the last five years or ten years, you know. So, so I think that's one reason. And emergency pharmacy services really, uh, if you look at the literature in the past, the value really is, came up about from patient safety from pre preventing and intervening, uh, med you know, medication errors and uh, preventing adverse effects. And I think uh, people are starting to see that now based on the literature. There's also literature on cost savings uh, when a pharmacist is in the ED. And I think a lot of this literature has helped grow the specialty. Michael, uh, do you have any predictions for future trends related to pharmacists in emergency departments? Well, I wish I knew uh, what the future was going to hold, but as you mentioned, it is becoming more uh, commonplace for pharmacists to be employed in the emergency department to be uh, engaged in those clinical activities. And I think that what we're going to see is potentially some growth in uh, smaller uh, hospitals offering clinical services uh, in the emergency departments. 
you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to see uh, some of that as we start to, to decrease the size uh, of the hospitals where we're seeing emergency department pharmacists. So, so that's one area of potential uh, growth that we could see. Certainly there's a lot of opportunity for that at this point. Secondly, I think that we need to see expanded coverage, even 24-7 being much more commonplace. Right now, there's still very few places that offer 24-7 coverage, and I think that's a tremendous opportunity. You know, as you know, the emergency department somewhat of a revolving door. It doesn't abide by the rules of time or holidays or weekends, and so it really needs to have that 24-7 coverage clinical pharmacists, and so I think that's going to be an area of expansion and growth uh, in the future. Sid, reflecting on Michael's comment, do you have any suggestions on what pharmacy educators or pharmacist professional organizations such as ASHP should consider doing to foster continued growth in pharmacist service in emergency departments? ASHP has been a great supporter of uh, pharmacy services in the emergency department and the uh, section advisory group has been a great resource for uh, pharmacists in this area. One suggestion that I'd have is that there could be greater programming at ASHP meetings for pharmacists. You know, one thing if you notice, there aren't a lot of traditional training opportunities such as PGY2 programs in emergency medicine. So, and we have this great growth in the field and pharmacists are being placed in these emergency departments, many times PGY1 residencies or less. So these pharmacists then are learning on the job and there's an opportunity to have non-traditional training opportunities. You know, we need to think outside the box of how we can help um, these various institutions and help their pharmacists. And I think mid-year and other meetings could be very helpful for this programming. Also, you know, to add, in colleges of pharmacy, I think there could be electives offered in emergency medicine, and we're starting to see that there's great interest in taking these electives. So I think both from a didactic standpoint, from a clinical training, and I think non-traditional opportunities for pharmacists. Michael, anything you would add? Right. You know, as Sid mentioned, um, I think a, a very unique thing is offering electives in emergency medicine. But even beyond that is uh, some of the advanced pharmacy practice experiences that, uh, that students will have. Um, you know, there's been previous uh, work that's been done that, that actually did a survey uh, looking at the opportunities for uh, pharmacists or pharmacy uh, students out there um, of doing appy rotations and uh, most colleges and schools do have these and so you know really encouraging uh, the, those students to get involved get some experience with that it can be a little bit of an intimidating so I think that you know as faculty members in uh, colleges and schools of pharmacy that have some experience in emergency departments uh, really helping to mentor some of those uh, next leaders uh, in this particular uh, practice area. The, the other thing that, that I, I may add would be, um, you know, continued support. I think, uh, you, you know, you said what can professional organizations do. We do a pretty good job internally touting what we're able to do, but I think that for us to continue to advance this practice area, we have to continue to engage those professional organizations outside of pharmacy. And so I'm very proud that emergency pharmacy practice was recognized by uh, the American College of Emergency Physicians supporting clinical pharmacy services. But I think we're going to need to continue to get more external organizations. And, and ASHP and other professional organizations, I think, are going to be integral uh, to moving that initiative forward. This has been a discussion with two of the authors of a paper on a national survey of emergency pharmacy practice in the United States. With me has been Dr. Michael Thomas, 
who is with the College of Pharmacy, Western New England University, Springfield, Massachusetts, and Dr. Asad Patanwala, who is with the College of Pharmacy, the University of Arizona in Tucson. This is William Zelmer. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.